What is up, guys? This is All The Smoke on Strength and Physique with your hosts, Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all who are betting themselves with fitness. Welcome back to All The Smoke on Strength and Physique. We got another special guest here, Natalie Fay. She was uh, in our same master's degree program, uh, had a very similar, very strong passion to help, you know, individuals that want to make a, a, a healthy choice and a healthy uh, lifestyle with this and a sustainable, maintainable approach. Um, she always came to class, you know, with just some great passion. And for her past, I think is really great to for her to apply with her current, current coaching ability. Um, and I think, you know, that's a lot what we're going to kind of get into. Um, and for a lot of the topic is around pregnancy and what to do while you are pregnant. As you guys obviously know, if you're listeners with all the smoke, Chris and I, we're males. We don't know a damn thing. And I still think <laughs> females are crazy. And I have a couple female clients and I always make them laugh with the phrase, like, I like to time, you know, um, increase carbohydrate cycling while they're in their period. Um, and I got to put it in perspective, like in my eyes, you guys are bleeding and walking. That's fucking insane to me that you guys can bleed, walk and do everything like nothing's going on. Like you're not bleeding. So um, Natalie, for our listeners that have no idea who you are, could you go ahead, please introduce yourself. Yes. So I am Natalie Fay. I live in St. Pete, Florida, and I've but went to, so as you said, we were in the same master's program, University of South Florida. I got my master's in exercise science with a concentration in health and wellness, but I also dabbled in the strength and conditioning side too. Um, so pretty much I come from a history of disordered eating, really bad nutrition habits, very poor body image. Um, you know, so I struggled with many things that revolved around fitness and nutrition before I was pregnant, while I was pregnant, after I was pregnant. Um, so getting the scientific knowledge and the evidence-based approach, in addition to my experience with these things, um, kind of just put me on the path to like decide this is what I want to do full time. Um, I really just want to put the evidence out there with that, you know, valid information, as much valid information as we have, and just really try to clear up any misconceptions or fears that women have about training or nutrition or their bodies. Um, and give them that reassurance that like, there's a happy medium, it doesn't have to be um, so all or nothing or something that's not safe or, you know, getting really getting to the base of what's safe, what's not safe. Um, and using that as a platform to help make women healthier and stronger. So something I really think a lot of people, if you're in school right now, undergrad, grad program, PhD, doctoral, med school, whatever it is, like it's important, I think, to build relationships with those around you. Because for example, Obviously, Adam, Adam and I have a podcast together. We, we stay in touch. We're completely different. Like we're two different passages. And then we bring Natalie who has the exact same background as us, uh, different story, like life story, but same educational background. And she's in a completely different direction. Now she's with one coach. She's under one coach. Adam's under another coach. Adam's getting his PhD. It's, it's this combination that really makes like a strong coaching um, um, community, a coaching community, or like a, a group of educators that help clients because we can bounce off ideas. And that's basically what we're doing today. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and get into our first question. What's, cool. uh, what's your experience with exercising around pregnancy before, during, after, and what are some key things that you took away with it? Yeah. So obviously we have our general recommendations and guidelines, but I'll speak from experience first and then kind of go into what I would do with clients. Um, so there's no one size fits all. Like, of course, we were just saying how we want the rules or what we should or shouldn't do. Um, we really, when it comes to pregnancy, have to take into consideration every single client's health background, you know, if there's any limitations before we even start anything. Um, and I will say just as a kind of note, even if you, a woman hasn't exercised before pregnancy, they still can engage in exercise when they get pregnant during pregnancy and after. So it's not like, Oh, if I didn't do it before, I can't do it now. No. The only caveat to that is 
you want to avoid, you want to keep the same intensity. So you don't want to be, oh, it didn't work out and then go to some high intensity frequency when you're pregnant. No. So the goal is before pregnancy, if you are active, when you get pregnant, you want to maintain kind of the same frequency and intensity, um, especially in the first trimester. So I don't know if you guys are aware there's three trimesters in pregnancy. Okay. We know so, a little bit, but just well, not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's stick with, we know nothing. So what are, what are these three trimesters and what are the importance of them? Yeah. So you have three trimesters in pregnancy. So, and that plays a role in how I will approach for myself and clients, how you're going to exercise during pregnancy. Um, so your first trimester, um, about the first three months, give or take, it's very normal to your pre-pregnancy state. You don't change nutrition. You don't really change your training. Um, it's the very beginning stages. Second trimester, you're kind of in that third to sixth month area. You do have to, bump, you know, I'll get into nutrition in a minute, but as far as exercising, you want to pull back on the load you're using you, cause you start to get uncomfortable, right? You're getting bigger. Um, so a lot of it is as a coach and a client, it's that communication. It's like, okay, every week, every month, your body's growing, the baby's growing that constant reassessment, checking in with yourself, checking in with your client. Uh, the last three months, that's where things will typically taper off. So for me, uh, personal experience, I never stopped exercising my entire pregnancy until like the last month or two. So that third trimester towards the end, Be not because I had to, there's plenty of women and especially women I've worked with that have exercised or in some capacity the entire time. Um, but those last few weeks, it's usually pretty much just uncomfortable um, unless there's an underlying health condition that they have to stop working out. Um, but yeah, as far as my experience with it, I would just say, I have, I was very fortunate to have a really smooth pregnancy and I have had clients with really smooth pregnancies. And as long as you're smart about it and you're paying attention to potential warning signs or problems, which I'll, we can talk about, um, you're pretty much safe to exercise the whole time. Um, as long as you're paying attention to the intensity and the frequency of it. So you mentioned getting into nutrition, mm -hmm. It sort of brings us into our next question, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll sort of talk about all of the aspects of health and wellness. Um, for general goals, people usually will want to focus on, if they're focusing on just general health, like I just want to be healthier. They'll yeah. focus on weight training. They'll do cardio, uh, nutrition, focusing on nutrition some way or another. If they're just trying to be healthy, maybe you don't have to track Mm -hmm. Um, which I guess you can get into that with pregnancy because mm -hmm. it becomes a little bit more important to get that extra nutrients and make sure you're getting it in. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some things that are included in a well-rounded program? Like just a general approach that you should yeah. focus on? No, that's time. a good question. Um, so a well-designed program, just generally speaking, I'm just going to kind of list off like what I would focus on. Um, so when you look at training and nutrition, a well-designed program, you're going to look at is my client, am I helping them maintain good posture and alignment? It's a lot of core work. Um, am I maintaining strength? So you're not, you're not going to see a big increase in strength with a pregnant woman, maybe in the first trimester you might, when you can add more load. But the goal with a good program is you want to like help them maintain strength to the best of their ability, um, you know, without injuring them or making them uncomfortable. So you want to maintain strength. You want to maintain their muscle mass. Like you said, sometimes tracking protein, we can help with that. Um, we want, but really it's about the core. Um, it's about maintaining their pelvic floor health. So not giving them too heavy of loads on deadlifts, squats, anything that's going to cause pressure down in their pelvic floor, their pelvis. You want to keep up their aerobic health um, by steady state cardio. Um, that's going to be an element of a good program. Um, helping them maintain or gain weight steadily. So we don't want like an excessive amount of weight gain. Like that saying like, oh, eat for two. It's just not true. Um, it's not necessary. So you want to help them gain, help, gain weight healthily and not excessively like in a crazy surplus. Um, but I would say the goal of a well-rounded program is really just to gradually see them maintain their health benefits. 
you may not see a lot of increases, but you're gonna, your goal is to help them maintain their health and maintain their health after they have the baby. So you can get gradually work them back up to where they want to be. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of maintaining core and uh, muscle and strength in general. So it's funny that you kind of mentioned the whole eat for two, because that was literally the phrase I was going to ask, like, how is that adjustment? Because that's something that I've always heard was like, Hey, you have another body in you, you have to eat for two. Um, and it seems like that's probably just not it, maybe just a slight surplus, if anything, a maintenance phase and focusing on more, you know, nutritional dense foods. Um, does that same general recommendation apply to a pregnant individual with a protein goal with 0.8, 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, or how would you kind of recommendation with that? And, and with this, how, what, what weight increase could someone expect to see while doing it? Gotcha. All right. So there's like three parts to this. The first thing I want to mention is when we're, we don't focus too, I'll give calorie guidelines, but we don't focus too much. I don't focus too much on calories during pregnancy. Um, we really focus like we do, um, with ELT method, the coaching team I'm on, we focus a lot on nutritional habits. So like Adam was saying, you know, we may not, even if we're not counting protein, we're making sure we're getting protein in it every meal. We're eating healthy fats. We're focusing on eating slowly, mindfully, balancing our plate with whole foods, complex carbs. Um, so first of all, we pay, we want to really encourage healthy nutrition habits. Now, if you're going more from a tracking aspect, which I have moms that still track just because they want to stay in tune with maintaining their weight. And, and gaining weight healthily, you know, to each their own. If, if you, if someone has a healthy relationship with food and they want to pay attention to their increase in calories, um, the first trimester, we don't change. We don't expect a change in, or a need to increase calories. Um, the first few months we keep you pretty much where not a fat loss, um, more like a maintenance level of calories, Try the second trimester, so the third to six month or so. Uh, the general recommendations are you might see um, 300 like 340, 350 calories extra per day. So nothing crazy, like an extra small meal or an extra snack, uh, which is definitely not eating for two. <laughs> You're like literally adding in one extra meal. Um, third trimester when the baby's obviously larger. Um, about to give birth, you're going to be closer to like 450 to 500 extra calories. So nothing crazy. Um, generally speaking, unless you have, like I said, another health condition or issue. Um, and then you had mentioned a third, uh, yeah. So are you still explicitly trying to, it seems like, again, we're focusing on more habitual nutrition mm -hmm. rather than, you know, quote unquote tracking. And I'm all about that, especially as in a maintenance phase, Hey, you have get away from the monotony, get away from, you know, always being tied to an app and Hey, you know, de-stress, you know, build that relationship with that thing that is literally building inside of you build, you know, some time and quality time with the family. Cause this is a, a special time. Um, and you, it's just a blessing in itself. Are you still trying to say if somebody is tracking, are you still shooting for that 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight? Yeah. Okay. So, um, a couple things. So there's no, ex so there's no exact number of calories I give. There's no exact number of protein I give unless they ask for a recommendation. Yes. Uh, there's absolutely no nothing that I'm aware of that's saying you can't eat more or less of the general guideline, like that 0 0.73, 0 0.75, 0 0.78 grams protein per pound of body weight is, you know, going to be fine for maintaining your muscle mass and helping develop the baby. Protein is your best friend when you're pregnant and postpartum, because as we know, protein is the building blocks of many of our body's processes. It's not just muscle that we need it for. So I think a lot of moms may not, may take that protein recommendation as just for fitness or, you know, muscle building. It's like, no, like there's actually a lot of added benefits to getting that protein in and increasing that protein intake throughout pregnancy and after you have the baby. Now, as far as like how much, um, you know, calories or weight we expect to see uh, weight gain, I never actually give a client a recommendation of how much I want them to eat or gain when they're pregnant. 
um, for many reasons, but obviously you just wanted to see it do it. You want the gain to be gradual. So without putting a number on it, as long as it's steady, slow, gradual, and the person's exercising, getting in their whole foods, um, you know, you're in a good place. And morning sickness is very real with pregnancy, which makes it very hard, especially in the first trimester to get in a lot of food you need. Um, so when you say protein recommendation, it's going to really be dependent on the client too. So if you have a pregnant client and they're like, I am so sick. And you're like, well, you have to eat this much protein. You got, you have to be a little bit like, okay, this poor thing is puking your brains out. I'm going to need to be a little more um, considerate of that. And that's, it usually passes by the second trimester. Yeah. And with uh, protein intake, so I'm, I'm strictly thinking we're focusing heavily on nutrition right now, yeah. but cardio, uh, that seems, that's why I said like in order on our list of questions, obviously our listeners can't hear it. I wanted to know if there's an order of priority and of course, well-rounded health is going to be the best approach. Um, mm -hmm. But the main thing I saw and the reason why I asked that is a lot of uh, ACSM materials is suggesting that cardio is one of like the biggest things. And I'm not talking about like intense cardio, just like you said, steady state, low intensity, uh, just keeping your aerobic endurance going mm -hmm. is going to be one, a very strong factor of a healthy baby is, is there anything else that really impacts the health of the baby? Um, the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because nutrition, like does eating no protein impact the baby? Uh, does eating too much protein, et cetera. Yeah. I'm not aware of any, I mean, as far as I'm aware, just simply under eating is really going to malnourish a developing fetus and baby. Um, but as in terms of priority, I would say protein's probably, you know, important, but like you said, the cardio recommendations, just like when you're not pregnant, they're huge for your not just like your endurance. Like the thing is when you're pregnant, your oxygen, like your, uh, oxygen, you might you get really breathless because the baby's taking up more room in your abdominal cavity, meaning like you have to try to get more oxygen. So your oxygen consumption, I want to say it's like 25 to 30% is what it has to increase along with like a 30% 25 or 30% metabolic metabolic rate increase, um, just from being pregnant. So that ability to get more oxygen in is necessary. Like you don't have the room to take, like to get as much oxygen. So if you can benefit yourself and the baby by being active with that cardio, it's not, it's not for like fat loss or anything like you said, but generally speaking, I would say cardio is probably if we're looking at dial movers in terms of like what I need to pay attention to with a pregnant client, um, that low intensity, you know, walking, just helping her to get that additional oxygen and deep breaths. It's very good for her and the baby's health. Um, and the exercise and the strength training has its own other host of benefits. Um, but a well-rounded diet, not necessarily the protein per se, mm -hmm. um, number, it's probably a little bit lower on there on that list. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that we talk about how our mind wanders after uh, going through a master's program or something like that, because as you mentioned this, I'm like developing a research study in my head. And now I'm just curious if, uh, and you can give your input on this, uh, I guess, Adam, you can throw your, all of our two senses out there. I'm wondering if, if someone gets pregnant, if we, if you were to know their aerobic capacity before pregnancy and say they weren't doing any aerobic exercise and then they get pregnant, I wonder if their aerobic capacity just simply increases just by being pregnant itself. Because from what you're saying, it sounds like it probably, it would be because it's mm -hmm. so much work to get that extra oxygen in. Yeah. And I mean, the adaptation is there because you have to, it's not a matter of breathing faster. It's like that, you know, that tidal volume, like you have to get that more in at one time, um, which can cause, you know, it can cause you to get wore out. So like for me, I remember one time we were hiking, we were like hiking or walking upstairs somewhere. And I wasn't even that pregnant. I was like maybe in the second trimester and I was about to keel over. Cause I was like, you know, you get winded so much quicker and it's, 
And that's, it's so important to remind your clients, like it's normal because they might feel like they're digressing or doing something wrong. So you have to like reassure them that like, no, like you physically don't have the room in your body to like do things that you, you know, get the same aerobic capacity that you had before. Yes, you need more volume or more oxygen, but it's not going to be easier. Um, so I guess, you know, another specific question with, mm-hmm. um, you know, during pregnancy, even, um, if you're getting ready to get pregnant mm-hmm. in your course, was there any, you know, supplements they kind of recommend it? Cause I know there's always like these prenatal vitamins, uh, for specifically, I think, uh, B6 and folic acid. So that we're developing a healthier nervous system. Um, mm-hmm. but specifically what recommendations did you provide to your clients or what supplementations did you use while you were pregnant? Yeah. So a lot of that I put into the hands of their doctor or their OBGYN. I'm not allowed to give a client recommendations for supplements for pregnancy, uh, but I can tell you what I did. And generally speaking, you want to take a prenatal vitamin for sure. Like you said, folic acid, um, iron is a big one. Um, you want to help boost up your blood count because when you're developing that umbilical cord and that fluid, Um, and a lot of times the prenatal has a lot of iron in it. So it's not necessary to like consider that a different supplement, but when we're looking at, you know, actual substances and minerals, that's, uh, all I took personally. Um, I, and because I take creatine, I did take it also when I was pregnant. Uh, there's no indication in research that there's a negative outcome from taking it while pregnant, um, to the best of my knowledge. So I put a lot of that in the hands of what the client's comfortable with and what their doctor's telling them. Usually they say, if you don't need it, don't take it. Um, and in my mind, I mean, I couldn't find research where there was any adverse reaction. So I did continue to take it personally. Yeah. I think it's great that you say that because creatine is one of the, like, I'm sure some people listening to that (gasps) creatine, what? Um, I know. Yeah. I know a friend, um, a really younger individual that I consider a good friend that he, I told him, or I showed him creatine. He was like, you take creatine. He's like, isn't that bad? I'm like, no, dude, you probably have some of it when you just ate steak the other night. Like it's just not at enough amounts for us to kind of see or reap the results. Um, but it's good that you say that because creatine is probably, I think a super supplement or a quote unquote super food that you are missing out on it through a neurological um, longevity standpoint, if you're not supplementing with it, and it's the cheapest supplement out there and it's easy to take. It's just hard to, I guess, say consistent with it. Yeah, I know. I, I know. We went on, I was on vacation my son and I didn't take it the whole time. I got back and I swore, I was like, I'm weaker. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, but no. And because it is so researched and safe, like I think people get hesitant with pregnancy in general like no one really is going to put a disclaimer out there or a blanket statement because god forbid there is some type of reaction for somebody but you know that's why we have the most research that we can we use what's available to us um and i i don't have anything bad to say about it i mean i continue i took my prenatals and creatine and i was I'm pretty sure I'm fine. My son, my daughter's fine, I think. So I, one question I always, um, I'm always worried about or anything like that is, right, there's a form of diabetes um, that you can develop while you are pregnant. Are there ways or, you know, exercise intensities, exercise durations, or, you know, exercise selection that will help um, to avoid that? And I know some, some of it is genetic predisposal, but um, is there anything that you know of that could help limit accumulating that effect through the developing of diabetes while you're pregnant? Right. So like you said, a lot of it is genetic. Um, I actually got tested for it because they, you get tested a couple times when you're pregnant. And if you fail one test, you have to go back for another test. And it's like this four hour long, they take your blood every hour to see how much your blood sugar is raising. It's terrible. Um, but it's, gestational diabetes. Um, you have to be very, very, very careful with it. And you can be genetically predisposed. Um, if you have diabetes before and coming into it, you can also develop it while you're pregnant. They don't necessarily have a rhyme or reason, but we do know in research that exercise itself can help reduce the risk of gestational diabetes. There's no 
specific exercise selection to my knowledge that can help prevent it any more than the next. Um, but simply moving, you know, not gaining an excessive amount of weight in the beginning of your pregnancy, um, monitoring your blood pressure, just that movement in general, and really keeping an eye on your nutrition and making sure you're not in a complete surplus of like ridiculous amounts of food. Um, I think you'll be in a good spot. There's no exact recommendation I would give to avoid getting it because it's one of those things like pelvic floor issues and diastasis recti. Like we don't know what causes it all the time. So you just have to look at all the variables and see how can I be safe with this. Got it. Yeah. Control the, the controllable. So mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to kind of say that. Um, and this might be, you know, a question out of left field, but cravings, how are you addressing them and why do they occur? So they don't, I'm trying to remember, they don't really know why per se the cravings occur. Um, I, I read a paper one time there. Because there's some really weird things that I've heard, like pregnant woman literally craving dirt. And then I've they seen research dirt. where they try to explain it like physiologically, like neurotransmitters, like hormonal shifts, like people trying to, you know, like everyone, scientists try to find an answer for why it's happening. And it's, there's really no rhyme or reason. Same with aversion. So for me and for many pregnant women, as much as you crave something, you'll also become disgusted by something and you'll never look at something the same again what because it made you sick or something um and you know I related a lot to so guys I'm I'm sure you guys are you, like have clients that go through their cycles and their you know menstrual cycles and they have cravings and they're like coach I can't stay away from the food and the carbs when I'm on my period and you're like well okay same approach for me at least um try to mon mod moderate and manage it the best that you can uh, without letting it turn into an overeating episode or something that's going to snowball. Um, and it's not a free for all, right? Like just like with our normal clients who aren't pregnant, if you have an untracked day, if you're not tracking nutrition, if you have a refeed, you know, these things, there's still mindfulness. And I think that goes back to a lot of the habits and behaviors that we try to instill is when you even with pregnancy cravings, we may not know why they occur and what the hell you want to eat. Like I wanted chicken wings all the time. I don't know why. Like I just wanted hot wings. Um, but you just have to be mindful if you're trying to sustain a healthy pregnancy. Obviously you want a mother to be comfortable and happy and the baby happy. And in my opinion, if you're trying to keep it, your weight gain healthy and you're trying to stay active, there is a way to manage your cravings just like you would when you weren't pregnant. And it's those nutritional habits that you really practice before, during, and after being pregnant. So I think another good segue to kind of get into is just like your overall experience, you know, post-pregnancy. Um, and it seemed like, right, you had some like eating disorder patterns while you were even pregnant. Um, and can you touch on, you know, if you could talk to Natalie, who you are now, to the Natalie that was pregnant, what would you kind of remind her of or to do now with what you know now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so when I was pregnant with my daughter, it was well before I had gone back to school um, and I got a knowledge base to help explain why I was going through what I was going through. Um, so if I could go back, I, because I had, this is just my experience, like no, no blanket statements here, no, nothing against competing or whatever. In my experience, because I had a disordered eating past and I was used to being a certain leanness when I did compete, um, I had a very, just like reverse dieting. I had a, that's what it, it kind of felt like to me getting pregnant was like the uncomfortableness of having to put on weight and knowing I was putting on weight for a good purpose. Cause you think, you know, you talk to clients, you're like, we have to do this. We got to get you eating more. And I was like reluctant, but I knew I, I would go back and remind myself of the bigger purpose, just like I do now with my clients when trying to improve their overall general well-being and health. Um, it's, it's breaking away from that at placing your identity in a size and a scale weight. That's what I did for a really long time. And so knowing now what I know in my worth, my knowledge base, my identity has nothing to do 
with a number and a size. Yes, I know I want to maintain, and many of my clients want to maintain a certain health level and weight and whatnot. But you do see it, especially if you've had a history of tracking calories or competing or body image issues. Um, it's very hard and you have to stay very compassionate toward yourself and your clients when they are having to put on weight. It's scary. You can even ask your doctor when you go into your doctor's appointments when you're pregnant, like, I don't want to step on the scale. Like they can't, you have to really talk to yourself and say, I would, if I could go back in time and be like, Natalie, make this more comfortable for yourself. If you don't want to step on the scale, if you don't want to pay attention to how much weight, if your coach wants to track your weight, but you're not really comfortable with that, you just, you know, want to monitor your protein intake. There's many different ways to approach it. Um, and I think if I could go back, that would be the main thing I would do is stop obsessing about my losing my identity by gaining weight for the sake of my health and the baby's health. Um, and that just takes practice. It just takes time. Yeah. I think that's huge, right? It takes time. It takes that experience because I'm sure your first pregnancy wasn't as easy as your second one, I would imagine, at least, because now you kind of know what to expect and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I even got back to working out. Um, not, I, I took months and months off. I mean, there, there's our recommendations, which we can touch on, but me personally, I had a way different experience my second pregnancy because I was more in tune with exercise and nutrition and um, getting back into the hang of it. So. What now, is what the, are some, like, common you know, FAQs or common disbeliefs, you know, around pregnancy that needs to stop. So like, again, if there's like some myth buster breaking happening right now, now is the time to break him, Natalie. Running. Oh my God. I, so I ran a 5k when I was pregnant and I, I think anybody's crazy to do that. Even if you're not pregnant, uh, aside from having to pee all the time, it was great. What's a 5k? Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, running, how many miles is that? Six, how many miles is 5K? 5K, 3.1. Wow, good for me. Um, so, yeah, I think that was maybe one of the last 5Ks I did. Um, anyways, I had so many people come at me that what I was, and this is an old, older generations of people, um, you know, you're going to kill the baby, shaking baby syndrome, blah, 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 blah. And that's one of the main things and not just running it's, uh, cardio and exercise in general, it is not going to hurt the baby. There are certain things that they want you to avoid. Um, things like hot yoga, uh, hot Pilates when your temperature gets hotter, um, anything with a fall risk. So horseback riding, um, contact sports, soccer, football, um, heavy, heavy lifting. So power lifting, like that's going to create way too much abdominal intra abdominal pressure when you're pregnant. But that's one of the biggest misconceptions in general is like cardio and exercise is safe for you and the baby. You will not shake up your baby. You, the worst, you, the worst that'll happen is you don't want to overheat the baby. You don't want to fall on the baby and you don't want to, um, uh, put too much pressure from heavy lifting. Other than that, you can do all the exercise that you can tolerate very safely, very safely. Now I would imagine, right. The support system around, you know, yourself and the pregnant individual is going to matter tremendously. Now, how are you, or are you guiding your clients or how did you take that approach with um, whom you're having the baby with to again, flourish together as a team and to make sure, right. This is a healthy, smooth transition throughout this three trimester process. Yeah, that's huge because especially if you're working with clients who have some type of fitness background um, or if they're just getting into exercise, uh, women in general are really good at getting in their own head. So add a bunch of hormones on there, a pregnant woman getting in her own head. She feels disgusting. She feels like she can't, like she's not attractive. She She's losing her body. She A support system is, huge. So a lot of times a partner, you know, they, they're, they're there for their own purposes, but when it comes to like you guiding someone for exercise and nutrition, it's a matter of communication and understanding and letting your client know that you hear them, that 
everything that they're feeling is normal, it's warranted, and it's not permanent. It, it feels like they're losing everything, like their body and their strength. And you as a coach and as a support system have to reassure them that like this, you, what you are doing at this time is serving a purpose and your other goals, they'll, they'll be there. You know, when you are back to a point where you can shift your goals and shift what you want to work on. And so it's that constant, like re, just reassurance to your pregnant client that like what you're doing is great. What you're doing is enough. Um, invalidating their feelings you know you don't want to tell them they're overreacting that they're oh you're fine like no we want to like really let them know that we are there for them and how and that you're going to continue to be there for them because just just as much as pregnancy is stressful after pregnancies um usually when it gets a little harder a little more important for your support system for sure what so after pregnancy uh we talked about the exercising right before and how uh, right before you have the kid, depending on the individual, you could either exercise right up, right up to it, or when it starts to get really uncomfortable for you, then that might be a time to stop. What about after pregnancy? I hear all these things that you, uh, it depends on the C-section. It depends if it's natural, it, you should just take a month off either, or, uh, what are the different avenues of routes after pregnancy? Yeah, that's a really good question too. So, based on like generic guidelines that we have available from like organizations and such like six weeks is usually when if you've had a healthy delivery um vaginal c-section you know six weeks usually to get back to normal life so work having sex you know exercise that's usually like a blanket time however um it's very it's going to vary a lot from mom to mom so it could take honestly closer to six, I'd say six months to a year before a mom feels like normal. Because when you think about it, they might've had a C-section, they might've had complications where like something went wrong with their pelvic floor. Um, They might be nursing and breastfeeding. And, you know, there's way more going on and healing and happening for longer than six weeks. Um, So I say that with like, a lot of discretion. It depends on the mom, but I always tell my clients, especially ones who are coming to me postpartum, I may not have been with them during pregnancy, but they come to me after the baby. Um, and I always say, don't let's set your expectations like here, because you've got a lot going on. And when you set that expectation too high right after to get back too soon, you you don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to get discouraged. You don't want to feel like you're not doing enough. Um, it's all those psychological things, you know. Um, but I would say six months to a year, you could is usually like 100% back to normal. Um, but at six weeks, you can really start doing your practicing your breathing patterns during low intensity cardio. You can practice your core engagement, so those glute bridges, those bird dogs, um, cat cow movements. Um, that when you first come back, you're not just coming back to lifting. You're really coming back to let me practice that bracing, that core, making sure that that is cleared up before you start adding onto that. And, and, you know, there are recommendations based on like weeks, but generally speaking, I would say at six weeks, you can start slowly and then add on as the client feels comfortable based on what type of recovery they had. It sounds like just for me, like I've always been intimidated of the the fact of having kids because in my mind, I'm still a damn kid and having a puppy is enough for me. So it sounds like it's really stressful, but it almost is warranted why you would need somebody to kind of guide you through this, a medical professional, a coach that has kind of been through the experience as the education. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, after the pregnancy, is there, you know, certain recommendations that you would also kind of have, you know, on nutrition, because now, right, you have lost a significant amount of weight, right? You don't have the baby on you. Um, are you still trying to generally recommend, hey, eating at that maintenance calories that we've kind of eaten before? Um, or are you kind of bringing it down? Or again, it seems like how you have kind of taught your clients or educated your clients is, hey, we're eating based on how we feel or what we need. 
Uh, but some people that like that is a whole host of problems. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to eat whatever and everything I, I want. But how are you, I guess, kind of setting those boundaries now after having the baby? Yeah. So that also will depend on the type of client I've had, like their dieting history, their relationship with food. Like you said, that a whole other host of potential uh, underlying concerns. But if I've got a healthy client who like, let's just say we have this healthy client who's ready to get back to whatever. I would say like, as long as their doctor, as long as they're not treating with their doctor anymore and the doctor will normally release you at about 12 weeks, um, postpartum, like from their care, they'll be like, okay, fine. That is usually at the point I feel comfortable with talking nutrition with a new mom, because the last thing a new mom is wor- should be worrying about right after having a baby is how much calories they're eating. Now, unless they're under eating and they need to pay attention. And I'm speaking like weeks after they're just trying to lit, like survive, like it's survival mode. Like you're just trying to sleep when you can eat when you can. So then by the time, you know, two, three months go by at that point, I would feel comfortable sitting down with a client, finding out, are you nursing? Cause you do need a little bit of extra calories. There's no blanket recommendation, but a nursing mom doesn't need to be in a deficit um, maybe more towards maintenance, I would say, or a little bit above, but a nursing mom that's going to play into nutrition. Um, if they've gone back to exercise yet, um, it's that, it's that communication with your client that, you know, that interview talk that meeting, seeing where they're at and you'll either know right off the bat, usually if they're in a place where they can start, um, transitioning to either I want to lose body fat from my pregnancy, or maybe we should hang off on this because you've got a lot going on. Um, just like you would a non-pregnant, you know, you want to, there is an element of like mental capacity and bandwidth when you're dieting or when you're trying to obtain a physique, because you have to kind of shift everything around. So around, I usually three or four months, if a mom's not nursing, I would feel comfortable like talking nutrition with them, like calorie ranges and protein goals and, uh, approaching a fat loss at that point. Um, but there's no need to rush it because it kind of tapers off by itself after six months or a year anyways. But when you have those moms are like really gung ho, um, you know, as long as the doctor has released them from their care and then they're not nursing and don't need the extra calories, you can kind of feel them out and tailor it to that. Got it. No, so it really seems like at the end of the day, as a coach or anyone, you're having to listen to your body and more importantly, communicate with yourself. Don't be afraid. And it seems like it's been a theme the past couple of podcasts, Chris, that set boundaries with yourself. If you're not feeling comfortable, be vocal because this is a lot of people can't read your mind. So the best thing for you to do is communicate, be open with whomever you're going to be with. So you can have this, you know, you can enjoy this process of being pregnant and having a newborn baby. Because yes, it is possible. It's very much temporary, the uncomfortable part, but with a good support system and a really good coach and team, like you, they're going to be there for you and they're going to be there for you after. And they, they just have your best, in, if they're a good coach, they have your best interest in mind. If they're telling you to do or not to do something, it's not because they want to lead to a negative outcome. They really just want to see you as healthy as possible. Exactly. Now, to kind of wrap this up, I would say, what are the differences overall, other than maybe we having to modify some certain intensities, but what are the differences that you are utilizing with, you know, just the same general population that wants to get healthy and then a pregnant individual that just wants to stay and be healthy throughout that pregnancy process? What are their differences, if there is any? The main difference depending on where they are in their pregnancy uh, is for me personally, is going to be personally trying to break away from tracking macros during pregnancy. I don't personally do that. I might set protein goals, but I don't encourage trying to hit a number. I really like paying attention to fullness. And so hunger and fullness cues uh, come more into play. That changes a little bit more so than general population. And the intensity of my programming and my, the workouts I program, 
as the pregnancy goes on. You know, I'm not going to have a client lying flat on her back doing, you know, heavy dumbbell press, you know, you got, you have to think like, okay, she's got to go on a slight incline with a lighter load. Um, so there's certain nuances in programming and that is probably the biggest thing as far as a coach goes to pulling back on nutrition, watching my programming, and then also paying attention to make sure she's active outside of just training. So walking, um, just moving in general, because that we know that's really, really going to help with the high blood pressure and the diabetes side of it. There's those other health benefits too. Got it. And it seems like, again, for, for what I'm trying to understand is like, again, these foundational habits, they stay with you pre-pregnancy, they stay with you during pregnancy, and you really want to maintain them post-pregnancy because it seems like that's where you get this new thing and nobody, there's no instructions to it and you just kind of have to learn on the fly. So yeah, it's pregnancy true. at itself, it seems really complicated, but again, with a well-rounded support system, a coach, you anything is possible. So um, Natalie, what we like to do with the outro um, is we were trying to do a new thing, but we didn't give you a heads up with it. Um, but we're going to keep it basic right now. Um, what are the, you know, the things that you have learned throughout your online coaching career? Um, and then if you could list three books that have significantly impacted your coaching or just your general lifestyle. Okay. Um, three things I learned. Is that what you said? Yeah. So what are the, some things that you've kind of learned while being, you know, an introductory, you know, personal trainer? Cause I know you do in-person ah, okay. personal training and online coaching. So what are something things that have you learned throughout the process that you really have kind of changed your coaching philosophy? Yep. And as well as you could just list out three books that you think are recommended readings or something that has really changed your trajectory on life as well. Got it. Um, so I would say a couple of the main things I've learned is the diversity of what people need. Um, they come into you thinking they want something. And I always thought that in person or on, on online coaching, it was so cut and dry. Like, oh, I wanna lose this. I want this physique. I wanna do this. I'm like, oh, here you go. And the more and more I do it in person and online, I'm like, whoa, this person needs this. Um, so part of being a good coach is reading between the lines and under it's so, I mean, you're kind of like, you know, you feel like you're a therapist at some point because you're asking so many questions and you're like, hold on. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Um, and the other thing I've learned is just, yes, you can be a coach and you can tell them what they need to do, but kind of like I was just saying, you have, you have to have like that trust with them. So they open up to you. Um, I've learned that by me being intimidating or making them feel like what you might have done is inadequate or wrong is not going to help them and it's not going to help our relationship. So I've really learned the importance of trust um, with your clients because they want a safe place. They're not with you because they have all the answers, um, whether they want to admit it or not. So knowing that it may take time to build that rapport but I think once you, if you keep trying to let them know that you're a safe place and that you're there for them, um, you get a lot more out of them. You, they're not just telling you what you think that, what you, they think you want to hear. Um, and for books, let's see. Um, well, I just, I'm doing a presentation on intuitive eating next week. So there's a fourth edition intuitive reading book um, that I've, I used the third edition before uh, I started coaching before it was going through a lot of personal problems, but that one has, I don't, I can't say I agree a hundred percent, but that's the beauty of science and learning, right? Like I, it's kind of shaped and helped shape the way that I approach nutrition lately. Um, you know what we should do, Natalie? Let's do a, let's do a remix on this, Adam, a set of three books, give us three types of wines that you like. I was going to say my other book first. Oh, go say your other book and then we'll touch on all your wines. <laughs> What's the one we read with Campbell so that they can't ignore you? Yeah. That was a really good one. Um, Atomic Habits. Yes, I just finished really Atomic Habits one. recently. Uh, and the one by Glennon Doyle. Um, it's not coming to me. Oh my God. Glennon Doyle is the author. Yeah, Adam's on this, this is, book right now, Projections. This is my current book. Um, it's really 
good for a neurophysiologist. He What's it called? Projections. Um, projections. I'm a huge proponent of the Huberman podcast. I think if anyone listens to all the smoke, <laughs> they've probably heard me say that every damn podcast now. I think but it literally uh, is great for biological hacks of how to not spend money, but just use your physiology and what you habits based that I we like can kind that. of do. Um, and just build a, a, a better lifestyle through, you know, biological hacks. Um, and projection is more of that neuropsychological perspective on his clinical um, experience and as well as his research experience. He's a researcher out of uh, Stanford University. Um, highly recommend it. Um, it's a bit boring at the beginning, but right now it's it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. No, awesome wines, crazy. Natalie. My wines? I've been slacking on the wine. However, <laughs> I will say, I was on a red blend kick and now I've been drinking white wine or like the last week. What? So Ew. I know. You know, I think I had pizza with white wine and then I was like, this tasted really good because it's the summertime <laughs> and it's light. Um, but normally I'm my red blends. I can't go wrong with those. The Snoop Dogg one is delicious. <laughs> Snoop Dogg came that's out with a wine? That's what it's, it's, Yes. She yeah. got some uh, some wine with Snoop Dogg on. I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's good. Yeah. And he'll talk to you too if you put a little picture up to the app. No way. Shit. Oh, okay. All well, right. that well, that's all the smoke with Natalie Faye on pregnancy and how to make sure it's a smooth, healthy journey. Um, Natalie, for our listeners that want to, you know, find out who you are, your coaching services and any educational stuff that you kind of provide, even your in-person uh, stuff like that, we have some local listeners, please drop that information in right now. So you can reach me. I'm a nutrition and training coach for ELT Method. So you can find us at eltmethod.com. My Instagram is at Natalie underscore Faye with then two underscores. And then I'm also in St. Pete, Florida doing personal training so you can always message me on instagram um and i would be more than happy to talk to you there or you can find me on the elc website perfect so that was great natalie we definitely probably have to have you on next time uh just to kind of literally specifically talk of your specific methods that you utilize at elt because it seems like it's more of right behavior actually being in tune with your body rather than treating yourself like a number um and just being very monotonous in that tracking behavior. So Natalie Faye, we appreciate your time and effort and all the information you provide our listeners. Again, if you haven't reached her or you don't know who you are, you know who she is now. Make sure to go give her a follow. And thank you for so much for your time, girl. All right. It's great seeing you guys. Thank you so much.